Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexander Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. This is part two of our conversation with Lucy Butler. Lucy is a special ed teacher in a high school in the 2021 through 2022 school year. Lucy was given the task of working with all the students who were repeating their freshman year of high school. In previous podcasts that we've done with Lucy, she described how she applied the principles that she was learning from science camp and the work she was doing with her horse to her human students. If you haven't listened to those podcasts, I suggest that you go back and review them. They were fabulous discussions. This year in September, Lucy was given another cohort of freshman class repeaters. During the Christmas break, Lucy gave us a progress report. She described how she's been using thin slicing, looby training, and the constructional design principles to help her students succeed. In addition to working with the repeaters, she's also been co-teaching in a math class, and her description of how she's been helping her students was just fascinating. Instead of being outcome-oriented and working each math problem straight through from beginning to end, which is how it's typically taught, Lucy took the students who looked like they were struggling and worked with them using a different approach. For these students, instead of working straight through each individual problem, Lucy had her students work just on step one of a multi-step process for solving the puzzle. So all of the students did step one of five or six or ten problems in a workbook, and when they had mastery of step one, then they would do step two, and when they had mastery of step two, they would move on to the next steps. The result was her students were succeeding in math. This process isn't restricted to this one application. It's not just math problems that you can solve using this type of approach. Think of the way you train. Do you try to run straight through a task from beginning to end, ignoring any and all signs of confusion as best you can? Or do you let your horse master each step in the process before adding more layers to your lesson? It's the same concept. In part one, we also talked about spreading ideas and changing systems. I referred to the metaphor of tossing pebbles in a pond and watching the ripples go out. Hopefully, we're going to be tossing a lot of pebbles into ponds as we continue our conversation. Yeah, but my my question, Alex, though, is what latitude does someone who wants to make a change has in a publicly funded system like school? You know, it's it's not a private environment. It's public. And there are probably, you know, there's certainly there's an outcome that needs to be reached by the end of the year, 
But how much latitude do teachers have to change the ways of the system? Well, I have no idea. I yeah, I so I was just having this um, conversation with my family about like the thing that I would give anything for is the ability to pull the air brake on a kid and say these loops are not clean. <laughs> there are old error patterns for this child and I need time to go work with this child to set I can I think this is the thing that becomes really frustrating this is where I am right now I'm getting very frustrated as now I I have enough experience and insight to look and see what's going on and I don't actually have more than anything it's the time I'm not afforded the time with a student to to pull them aside and really go back and fix all those loops so that we could move them ahead and it's I, I always get into this conversation in my family. I grew up in, in Michigan and my whole family was involved in the auto industry. So I grew up like in Flint, Michigan with the assembly line looming large. You know, I, you know, everybody worked all hours of the day. The factory was always running. And I always think of how schools, you know, they're a factory model. We have mm. factory factories that build products. We have factories that build people. We have factory farming. Um, and they're these big scaled up processes. And that, that was actually the way it, that the schools yeah. were originally designed. It was to produce workers. Workers, yeah. Educated enough that they could yep. go. Cogs in a wheel. Yes. So the, the assembly line stops for no one. <laughs> you know, I can <laughs> We have a we have a cog that isn't you know quite right here and it's yeah. making it through and they just we have a know. defective part and when you put it in the car you're going to be recalling that car and it's going to cost you a lot of money when you have to recall it so yeah. let's how about if we just fix the defective part before yeah the the tricky thing about schools though is that that kind of reinforcement in a when you're making durable goods and you're making a car, they do see feedback on that right away. It hits your profits, right? Yeah. And mm. in a school setting, what I see is that the blame is placed on the student. It's on the individual. Mm. Well, it's their fault. They didn't learn the thing. And now they go off into society with whatever mishmash of skills they assembled. And I'm not saying that, that you know, students don't need to take some personal responsibility for showing up, but those are all skills. You know, I, yes. I spent the past two years trying to teach my kids who are failing some of those, those um, you know, skills that lead to success in a school environment. And a lot of times they just needed to have them pointed out explicitly and be taught them in a, in a but the fact that you were able to do this experiment shows something, though. It says there is some latitude, you know, at the level of a school or at the level of a grade, I don't know, that allows one to do this. Seems there's a little bit of hope, no? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it, it's been... It's been amazing to have the space in my room to do to do what I've done and and you know we've actually seen the success we've seen the feedback and the data that shows like this is working you know um, I just 
finished up my 15 weeks with my repeaters this year and 10 out of 12 are all passing all of their classes. These are kids that failed everything last year mm. and they're, they're set up, they're in much better place. Um, I think the thing that gets tricky again is that, you know, as we know, the interaction of those students in their environment is so important and now the environment changes. So, so it is a big, you know, how do you scale from that little room where they can experience success? How do I either generalize those skills enough and, and get them durable enough that they can go into the other environment, keep coming back to what they learned, the principles they learned in my room? Um, or how do I push this, those, that environment out? <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I'm, I really am, I'm genuinely sort of professionally stuck right now in this spot, you know, where do I, how do I, how do I maneuver from there? So, so how much notice does the administration take of what you're doing? So this is interesting when you mentioned those stages of being a change maker, I think I'm in ignore. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and some of this is just, it is what it is. My boss right now has been having some stuff going on. She has an ill family member. And so she has been out of the building. She comes in in the morning and then leaves and, and is having to deal with that. So she's just got other things happening. And we have a new administration team in the building. And it seems like there's a lot of projects that the, the new administration team are really focused on that I don't really have any insight into. And so I'm kind of been, you know, like Dominique, like you said, like I've had some latitude because I've had this blank slate and people are like, have at it, but they're also like not paying attention to anything that's going on in, in that classroom either. So, so mm. it is kind of stuck in a bit of a holding pattern where it just seems to be happening in its own little bubble. Um, Will you be able to continue to do this? So, so far, I believe so, but it okay. has come up a couple of times for my boss that, you know, well, they, the new administration might not approve the program going forward, which would be a terrible shame, but it's probably in terms of wanting to restructure something. They want to restructure, they want to change things, so this might go away. It doesn't mm. change what I've learned and what I could carry into other places, but, you know, it's, it would be a bit demoralizing and really too bad that they would just, you know, let it go. But I've been warned that that could happen. Yeah. Um, you, you have to work within the system. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot like people who are you know, volunteering at a horse rescue or something where as clicker trainers, and they, mm -hmm. they have a particular way in which they would like to work with the horses, but not that these are not their horses. So they mm -hmm. have to work within the parameters of what the owners find acceptable. But there's also that bit of, you can't unsee it. So yes. once, you, once you have seen how effective constructional design is, once you understand the process, you can't unsee it and go back to, all right, so let's just teach from beginning to end standard deviation and, uh, <laughs> and, and let, let, me, let me predict how many eyes will glaze over. I've gotten really good at that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know, I think too that when you look at the times when a child would not resolve a problem and get hit on the hands by the teacher, I mean, things are evolving, even though we're still, you know, and this teacher was telling me we're very much 
in a punishment-based approach, a negative reinforcement approach, but things are evolving. So in a way, we there is hope. I mean, and this is the next step is continuing towards what you're doing and more and more away from those slaps on the fingers. So yeah, it, it really trying to help other teachers and students understand that, you know, there's this, this, there's a design process that we design for learning. And I mean, again, I, I didn't know that I have professional teacher training and accreditation and a good amount of it. And I didn't know that until I encountered it through the animal world, through training horses, through the work that, you know, we're doing in science camp. So, you know, also trying to make the inroads between the behavior sciences uh, or uh, behavior analysis and, and teaching and learning, you know, that um, cross-pollination is so important. And actually, when I was working on the paper that Catherine and Stephanie and I were writing, Catherine and Stephanie were telling me that, you know, Skinner was actually envisioning what he was discovering to be used in classrooms. That was, yeah. that was the thought back then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's just interesting how it, that was the original intention and it's yet we're still trying to find a way to, to help it migrate. But, you know, sometimes I think about how I could leverage a space like in tutoring. You know, mm -hmm. when you work with a child one-to-one, -one, with a, when a kid comes after school or they come during, you know, on their own time and on my own time, and it's just, nobody's dictating, there's no pace. We're just mm -hmm. doing that. That's really, that feels very powerful and potent and precious because we can do anything. So I can go back, you know, so you go back to study of one, Alex. Yes. <laughs> yeah. up back here. <laughs> Where you, and then you go, oh, we have some room and we have some space and we can go in and, and stop the bus for a minute and try to see where the error pattern is and iron that out and then move forward and, you know, provide the practice. And so, you know, so I, I don't know, again, how to, to carve that out within the existing sort of structure, but I think there are these, you know, Alex, to your point about you start with a stream and then you can build your own momentum. I mean, it's a lot like how we try to practice, you know, not pathologizing and trying to fix a, a behavior or a pattern, but we build a, a new behavior. Yeah. So it's sort of like that. Like, I'm just going to build a new set of, of teaching behaviors, my own, and then I'll try to. Because I'm guessing that that's not the only math teacher in the school. <laughs> and so. He probably, uh, within the math department, has conversations with the other math teachers. And if he's finding a success and where it, you know, wow, what do you mean you don't like teaching standard deviation? I love teaching <laughs> standard deviation. He actually <laughs> shared that worksheet with another teacher for the standard deviation. So, so that's, that's, how, it, that's yeah. how it expands. So, yeah. So if you were teaching, you know, I can see how this, how math uh, and math skills lend itself really well. Uh, do you work in other uh, classes in other disciplines? This year, I'm only embedded in co-teaching in the math department, but in the past I've been in, you know, English and history and all of those things. So I think you can use 
you can use all of these principles. It depends on, on math is probably the hardest. I, no? I actually think it's really easy. I, well. yeah, I would say I would say it's would be one of the easy. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah, know. It's just a step one, step two, step three. But yeah. you know, even in writing, if you look at academic writing, they have the same pieces in the same spot yeah. in the same yeah. order. So you you can you know you can thin slice it and you can structure it. I think it. Oh, but why should we bother with that? Because now we have that artificial intelligence who will write all of our essays. I mean, the funny thing is um, I'm, I'm stranded here, stranded here in Florida with my family. And last night, my parents wanted to play with myself and my boyfriend uh, this notoriously difficult card game called Euchre. I don't know if either of you have ever heard of it. No. It's kind of like, it's kind of like bridge um, and uh can't remember some of the other games it's like but it's very popular in the midwest and it's uh it's really complicated there are a lot of conditional rules like if this happens then this and this is classic so my parents have been playing it since before i was born and they played it with my grandparents and so you know they have years of this and they try to teach my my <laughs> sister and anyone else who's ever had to play this game and everyone's baffled and for me it's torturous like i yes. hate it it's so overrated <laughs> So my, my parents launched in last night, teach us, and I went, all right, stop. We're going to do this loopy training style. <laughs> Actually, we stayed up till like midnight where I was showing my parents how to take each stage in the gameplay and make sure it was a clean loop. And we were, were not going to move on until we could get like each scenario down. And then my mom, who has been playing, you know, her whole adult life was like, wait a minute, that was never clear to me <laughs> until we played out these loops. It was really amazing, actually. So it was interesting how you could take any skill. And if you start yeah. thinking about it, and you think about how do you take the patterns that are in a master's repertoire, they're in their experience, and they're embodied, and how do you translate them into you know, making them salient and clear and, you know, uh, just making them very plain and digestible to the learner. I, I think you could do it with anything. It just would take time, you know, and the expertise. <laughs> right, to do. right. So if what you need to do is pair up somebody who has expertise within the field. Your mother knows how to play this card game and somebody who understands the constructional design. You're sitting in front of a painting. I mean, a painting, I would think, to, to be able to do basic landscape or illustrations. I could never draw, but I know people who, who, who are artists is how oh, everybody can draw. You know, it's like, it's just yeah. like, great. Well, have at it. Let's get, let's, let's put these two elements together and get people like myself who, who've never been successful drawing anything but a doodle. And that would be amazing. Music. Yeah. Yes. To yeah. learn how to understand, uh, listen to, read music, play uh, musical instruments. And, and I know that that's been looked at because I know that Dr. Joe Lang and, uh, and his son developed a, an online program for teaching music that was amazing. Oh. So I know that's been looked at. And you think about the other disciplines, certainly writing, writing skills would lend themselves magnificently. And if you, if you don't have 
good writing and reading skills, then history becomes, you can't access it. Mm -hmm. You can't read, you can't access and do the research and get excited by the research. So that's, and all the basic sciences require reading, basic yep. writing skills. So yes, we need, we need this. Let's combine, let's combine the expertise in the field with this is how we teach it. Yeah, with with the expertise in the constructional design and, you know, in the, if I, I think if something is really well designed, it will inherently be positive reinforcing by nature because the student's success is mm -hmm. driving the design and it's so, you know, carefully designed to and empathetically designed you you are taking the perspective of the novice even as you are a master, you know, yes. by going through that act of thin slicing, you know, and, and catching yourself when you're lumping, breaking it apart, trying not to assume that something is a given. Yes. You Passing know, out all those assumptions that lead to that miscommunication. It's such a kind and empathetic and considerate process to go through. And so I think the positive reinforcement gets baked in if you really, really commit to the constructional approach you, you don't have to move into the corrections if your learner is being successful why do yeah. you punish you punish because we're the individual is not getting it you're not mm. if you were paying attention you would you would understand this let me wrap you on your knuckles so that you pay attention to me yes. uh, but if the learner is getting it the learner is successful the things that trigger us as teachers to become, you know, I'm feeling really frustrated horse because you're not doing what I want you to do. So my frustration erupts into aggressing towards you. That's, that's not useful. Mm -mm. That's not no, listening to you guys, I wonder if the best instructional design right now is in, in video games, which is why they're so popular. Because they, are, they have these levels, right? Yeah. Where you're, you can, people start playing, and I'm not a big video games uh, player, but it's the feeling I'm getting is that you're, when you come in, you're a novice, but the way it's designed, you will learn and you will be rewarded as you go. And that's why people love them so much, yeah. because in a way, and they never feel... They are addicted and they don't feel they're wrong. They're just progressing. So there's something about the way these things are designed that is really well thought out. Well, they, they I mean, they, they, they definitely take, you know, research and, and principles from behavior analysis and they apply it. And it happens in social media too, you know, understanding. And, and then the social media gets really freaky because they look at how many clicks before you know, the dopamine drops off, how many, what do you have to click to get the, so they're blending the neuroscience in too. So they actually understand the chemistry of it, which is, you know, kind of scary, powerful, but mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're not fighting it. They're, they're leveraging it. Yeah. So I agree. I, I see that. Um, I, I constantly whine about that actually. <laughs> how come we can do it with video games and we cannot do it in schools? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> and the expertise is there. There are people who understand constructional design. Yeah. And but they're not they're not necessarily the same people who understand the content, the, right. the curriculum content. But you don't have to be the same person. Uh, you know what you want is a good team with our, our horses. What we want is a good team. I don't. I I'm. I don't have to know how to do everything. I don't have to be the vet, the farrier, the nutritionist, the the riding coach, the physical therapist, the, you know, um, acupuncturist. <laughs> yes. I, I don't have to know all of those things because there are specialists who I can bring in who can fill out those areas that uh, are not my area of, of expertise. But what I've, I've felt for years is that one of the big areas that we don't know enough about in general, is this is the constructional design, and that this is uh, when you talk about the way to expand a field is not from within the field, but from without. You bring in new ideas from outside the field. This is one of the areas that we need to be bringing in, both in terms of for you what you're teaching in classrooms, and then for us who are horse addicted, how do we learn to teach better? for our horses. Mm -hmm. And then also we're taking lessons. You know, we're taking riding lessons. And it would be great if we had riding instructors who understood this process because then it would be a much kinder, more benign and more successful process. So, so you've just uh, uh, hit on a, a strong area of fascination for me lately a couple of interesting like streams around this so I have a student this year he's not actually in my cohort um, but we have advising groups and three three freshman advising groups got smashed into one room and he's my colleague's advisee but he's a young barrel racer oh. and he's just adorable and he um when she found out that he was into horses, she said, oh, you have to talk to Miss Butler. She loves horses too. And so we're like horse buddies at school. And um, I mean, just amazing talking to him about what horses have meant to him. And they've actually, he said to me, he's 14 years old. He's just a kid, you know, he's a baby. And very seriously, I said, how did you get into horses? And he said, well, I was making some bad decisions and I was, you know, kind of running with a bad crowd and I got into trouble. And my mom sent me to my aunt's. She has two horses and I had to clean stalls as punishment. But it wasn't punishment at all, you know. <laughs> he loved, he loved and so he, you know, this led to that. He started taking lessons. He, he said to me very earnestly, Miss, horses saved my life. And I just mm -hmm. thought that was so amazing. And then, you know, he su subsequently, he begged me to come see a barrel race. And, you know, it was wonderful to be there. He was so proud. He was so excited. I got to meet his mom and talk to his family. But the whole while, I'm, I'm kind of like, as I'm watching <laughs> what goes on, right? You know, right. and I, I've been talking to my boyfriend about how, well, what if you took the power of that and all the good that's coming out of it? Because yes. for a 14-year-old boy to say, uh, horses saved my life and I'm not making those choices anymore. And he's, you know, addicted and devoted and, and getting, you know, he made honor roll this, this quarter. Wow. So, you know, just turning his life around because of horses. But what if you paired that with, you know, clicker training? And yes. what if you thought 
all of this from the very beginning, like that just, you know, <laughs> so, so I, I think a lot about how to teach humans and how to use the way we want to interact with our horses and the way we want to teach them to also think about how we teach our, our next generation of, of horse kids. Yes. Um, like that's, that seems powerful to me. And, and, and to think about, you know, the social emotional learning that's embedded into thinking construct constructionally, you know, just not pathologizing, just looking at what do I want and working yes. towards what I want. My goodness, if you teach some humans to just think that way about their life in general, you know, if that's yeah. the people start to look at the world through, that's so powerful. And yeah, you could do that through teaching a child how to ride or even just how to do groundwork with a horse. It's, All the, it's the practice ground for life. Mm -hmm. you, know, you learn how to teach skills and you learn how to teach them in the constructional design process for your horse, for your dog, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, you learn how to teach skills in this way. And then that becomes the way that you interact in general. And, and you carry that forward through all of your work commitments and, and relationships and so on. That's a hugely powerful ripple. Yeah. And you think about some of the programs that are set up in uh, penitentiaries, for example. Mm. And that would be such a great opportunity to bring clicker training into those systems because, you know, these are individuals who do not need to learn how to use force to control a horse. Right. You know, that's not the skill that they need to be learning. They need to be learning how to use positive reinforcement. Oh, that's so exciting because there are all of those like tip programs, you know, that, yeah. that occur in prison settings and dog training. Yeah, that would be just amazing. So it just takes those individuals, you know, again, it's the, we've picked up a handful of pebbles and we've thrown them out and some of them are going to land in ponds where somebody says, oh yeah, that I would, you know, that's, that resonates with me and, and the ripples expanded. Well, it's, I mean, it's true. I'm thinking about that connection I just mentioned with my students and Stephanie, my, my behavior analysis coach who teaches at Salve Regina, which is in Rhode Island. She's this spring is having her um, students in her experimental behavior analysis class. They're going to come to the farm and they're going to look at some of the stuff we're doing with the horses and the donkeys and everything. And we're just going to cross pollinate. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's all going all over, but it's, it's wonderful, you know? So you're right. The, those, you know, it's all behavior and the principles are universal. So what can we learn from, you know, what do I learn every day from, my horse that I carry back in the classroom? What do I yes. learn every day? My students that I take back to my horse and how does it shape the way I just view the whole world? It's, it's a whole other way, you know, thinking constructionally and thinking about positive reinforcement thinking about environment and taking the time to really set it up. Um, it's just a wonderful way to live. So yes. you know? <laughs> and, you, and you don't want to turn it off. You can't turn it off when you step through the school door and say, all right, outside of school, I, I think, and I teach in this, this way, and inside the school building, I'm, I'm this other person, you can't do it. <laughs> no. Yeah, 
<laughs> no, that's not satisfying. No. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that, no. <laughs> you know, I think it takes people who have a lot of courage to change the system because you can, you know, you can make different choices in your life. You could decide that you want to take this, what you learned, and bring it somewhere where it is very welcome and where you will make it thrive. That's one decision you can make. And the school will continue to be, you know, a failure. Or you can decide that you're strong enough and that you can really tackle uh, and be able to endure in a way all the resistance and all the obstacles and that's the stuff that films are made of you know <laughs> that well it's true though you know it's, it's when you have someone who stick to it and is willing to go through all these obstacles because that's another kind of choice you know but it, you have you have to be a strong person to do that you and you have to, in a way to thrive surmounting obstacles yeah. You know, I know for me, when I discovered the clicker training, I made the decision not to stay in the traditional world because it was too painful for me to stay in, the, in that world. And so I preferred to go into the clicker training world and, you know, do things there. Um, you know, for instance, I would not have been good at protecting uh, animal welfare mm. from the from the in in the area where people uh, are saving animals from brutality you know for me that was too difficult i i prefer to change the things by being in the environment where i am right now you know and i think it's very important for the welfare of animals because we're sharing all this information but I think it's very important that some people are there to save those animals and take them out of the zoos or uh, of the environment where they are being. Some people are, are able and good at doing that, you know, and yeah. they're very needed. We need people like that, too. So I think that it's important to have people like you inside the school system, even if it's really hard. <laughs> well, thank you, Dominique, because... Yeah. So it's, it's finding how, how can you be in the school system and not be chewed up by it? Mm -hmm. so what, are the, what are the coping strategies? What are the reinforcers? What do you need in order to be able to continue to thrive within this system? Or at what point you recognize that it's just soul destroying? And, mm -hmm. and you don't want to be spending 20 years counting down the days until yeah. you can retire. I think that's kind of an open question right now. I'm trying to mm -hmm. figure that out. And, you know, where it's a, it's interesting that that piece that I just wrote with Catherine and Stephanie, we sort of, sort of asked that question and, and sort of commented a little and mentioned that, that the, that teachers need to have sources of reinforcement and schools, again, we're speaking generally here, but they tend right. to be coercive environments, both mm. for the students and for the, the adults, the educators there. And so there aren't a lot of sources for reinforcement. And, and that obviously it, there's 
there's variability within different cult school cultures and administrative approaches and everything. So, um, but that's like an active question is how do I, where do I find reinforcement in environment that tends to be sort of more on the reinforcement barren side? It's just not built in. So it's, it's an open question for me right now, personally, I, we have a new administrative team and there's some changes in the building and it's, you know, there's, there's been changes. So I'm trying to figure out how to continue. So if, if you could design a, a school that you think would be a really vibrant, working, successful learning environment, what would you institute? So what would you construct? Hmm. Well, I think I'd start by giving the teachers the skills that they need to think about skill building, you know, okay. to know how to, those, those teachers would have to be first trained and have their skills built um, so that they, so they could access the success in the environment. You know, you're asked to do a job and you don't have the skill, you're going to fail, you're already set them up for it. So I would start with giving the teachers the skills they need. So that's a, that's a big piece right there. You know, that's mm-hmm. like when we watch at clinics, when I watch a horse handler team and I see that the handler does not have the critical skills needed. We let the horse go eat hay and we work on the handler. handler. Yep. Yeah, there's no yeah. point. There's no point in keeping the horse handler team together because all you're going to do is create more problems and more frustration. So you yeah. pull them apart and you give the teacher, in this case, the handler, the skills that they need to understand what it is that they're teaching and how to go about teaching and how to, and, and how to, and how to understand and make adaptive changes based on what the learner does. Well, I was just gonna say to your point right there, adaptive changes, like then allowing the teachers to have choice and freedom to exercise their knowledge of that learner or that learning environment to make decisions, you know, giving them some autonomy and and reflecting back a level of trust of their expertise, um, you know, is really important. And then so when I we think- encounter a a horse who's coming into the arena and who's expected to be able to carry a rider. And we see that this horse can, is barely coping. It's, we have the freedom to say, you know, let's take the tack off and go back to his stall and teach basic targeting 101. And it's not a reflection on the horse. Right. And it's not a reflection on the handler. Right. It's just, oh, well, here's some missing skills. Let's go teach them in an environment where the horse can be really successful. Yep. And I think when you, when you do that, when you're, when you're treating your, your instructors and your, your employees that way, that's going to become the language you speak and the culture you have that you start to cultivate with your students. And, you know, it, it just be, it'll just be the, um, yeah, it's the culture. It becomes the, the sort of North Star for how everybody's treated. So you create the same conditions for the students. You give them the skills. You take the time to make sure that they have the skills to do the thing 
that you're asking them to do, whether it's standard deviation or write an essay. You don't ask them to do that without preparing them appropriately. And then you give them choice. So, you know, there's so little choice in schools. Mm. So little choice. So it's such a huge motivator. So that would be the other thing I would, you know, and then we found over the course of last year and this year that the, the most powerful reinforcers were success, choice, and belonging. So mm. the last one, that, that belonging, you can build that in. There's plenty of ways of doing that. But just, I think, you know, if you're doing the first two, if you're building the skill so that students can be successful and you're giving them choice, people start to feel like they belong because... Mm you're successful and you <laughs> you have some autonomy and <laughs> you're respected you know yeah so belonging sort of springs out of it and um, then this ties in magnificently to the podcast that we did with dr joe lang on degrees of freedom and that very frightening third you know part three where he talks about you know what happens when degrees of freedom are really restricted and uh, the consequences, the social, the way that social relationships break down and the consequences that that has. So you are talking about some things that are really important, you know, in terms of we need to have more choice, more degrees of freedom, and that sense of belonging is just critical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. That insulates people from, from becoming part of a cult, from becoming the bullies, from becoming... Um, yeah violent yeah yep so that would be my my dream setting <laughs> and and having the time and the space to do it all you know um because it certainly wouldn't happen overnight it would take a lot of again that care and consideration and investment in the time that it takes to build people's skill you know to be able to do those things but it's certainly like what's the alternative well the alternative <laughs> we have right now <laughs> Yeah. No, it's it's funny because when you take a new animal uh, who's never been clicker trained in the beginning, you know, he doesn't even know what the clicker is, what the marker is. So in the beginning, it takes a little bit of time to put in um, all these notions. But once the animal knows clicker training, then it's really quick. Yeah. It's the beginning of it, you know, that. That, that takes a little bit of time because it's it's a new it's a new language for the animal but after that it's quicker because yeah, you have a way to to communicate it opens all the doors of possibility then because then it's just well what's you know what's your imagination what do you want to teach so, but if someone said to you well do your magic right away and the, the dog doesn't even know the sound of the clicker you can't do that yeah. Yeah. But give me six months with this animal and you'll be amazed at what I can do with it. Yeah. 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 And it's same with people. So. Mm -hmm. And skill building for the teachers does not sound that like it's not an insurmountable mountain to climb. It, that sounds as though it ought to be fairly doable. You know, to look at what are the missing skills that would really make a difference for somebody who's going into a teaching career. Well, yeah. teaching them how to teach skills seems pretty <laughs> basic. Important one. Mm. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, that they they'll they 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 will develop expertise on the content, but teaching how to teach basic skills seems across the board fairly universal and important, and that that should be doable. So we're not we're not asked you're not outlining something that is way off in outer space somewhere. Hmm. You wouldn't think, I don't think so. I, no. I think it's doable. And I think, you know, the truth is, is probably, you know, a lot of intuitive teachers who get it and who struggle and maybe experience a lot of frustration because they're just missing some pieces. Mm -hmm. the folks that are so primed for it, they want it. They want to know what would work. <laughs> you know, yes. they want it. So I think, you know, like you said, Dominique, there's some onboarding that happens where you have to kind of help someone who's a novice begin to acquire the language, the terms, the lenses to look through to do this. But once you start to experience success, you know, that's, that's what those teach. they want it. These teachers want to be able to teach and teach well and see their students be successful. Mm. It's like the kids want to write the paper and you know, get the A and be okay, yeah. you know? So. so if you concentrated the coaching uh, with these younger teachers and really gave them the skills, then they would become independent fairly quickly. They would know how to do this. They could then mentor other teachers mm -hmm. and, uh, and the ripple effect would go out in that way. So it's... Yeah. Yeah. So you just you just have to go do the TED talk and inspire okay. people. That's right. <laughs> that, that's how you that's how you uh, amplify the ripple effect. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Yeah. Just we'll just plant that seed. Okay. Um, <laughs> so when you go into the second half of the year, what will that look like for you then? So, well, one nice thing is that I had a period in my day carved out to do push-ins with the students, which I did not have last year. So my 12 students who I worked with through, you know, this holiday break, up to the holiday break, they'll go back out into gen pop. But I have um, a period in my day that I'm able to scoop them out of class and check in. So I will have all 12 of them will have a time period in my schedule during the week where I will go in and grab them and meet with them one-to-one -one for a period of time. So 20 minutes for two kids, five days a week or whatever. And um, sort of be able to keep some continuity this year. It's not quite the same, but we're, we're just gonna try it and see what happens. Yeah. Um, so, so that could be great. It can be a way to just bridge. Um, yes. it's, an, it's, an, it's a question mark. I don't know if it'll be enough or you know, it could be. So, so we'll see. So I'll be continuing to meet with them. And then we'll be grabbing other kids who are starting to show signs that they're failing and doing the same kind of touch in with them um, and trying to use some of the principles on that kind of really limited, but at least it's something to kind of get, get them going maybe before they fail their whole freshman year. So we're already kind of looking at the, <laughs> who's on the radar. Yeah. So it sounds as though, you know, sometimes when you're inside a system, it's hard to see the changes. Like yeah. when we have the, the coaching sessions, 
in the online clinic and people send me videos and I'll go, wow, it just looks so different. And you, you do sort of a double take and look at your video and you go, yeah, he really does, doesn't he? But, but when you're with a horse day by day by day, you don't necessarily yeah. see those dramatic changes. It would be so good to intervene before these students are failing. Yes. It would have been really good to intervene when these students were in first, second, third grade and, and were building these skills. But they're in ninth grade, they're in 10th grade. It would be good to get them before they have to repeat. And it sounds as though you've at least gotten enough of the attention from the administration that that's being looked at. So the, the, the ripples are rippling. Yeah, yeah. My, so my boss carved that out in my schedule for me. So, um, so and that was a, a, a very happy thing when I got my schedule this year that that had happened. So I'm holding it, you know, it's very precious and I'm going to mm. take that time and see what, what can happen with it. So yes. I'm hopeful that having that time will yield some result. And it's different than what we did last year. So it's interesting to see if, if this is a little bit more effective or not. So at least we're being iterative and we're trying something. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the shaping process continues. Continues. It's true. <laughs> Which means that we'll have to touch base again uh, in the spring to find out what how this experiment is proceeding. Because well, there, be <laughs> there, there definitely are things to be learned that are relevant to the horses because everything is everything else. And it's just interesting. You know, we've, yeah. we've all either people have children in school systems. And so hopefully this is of interest or we, we're the, you know, we all went through the schools and, and it doesn't matter what decade you went through them. You know, yes, there's been some improvements, some changes, some differences, but I would say on the main that what I've gathered, much of what all of us experienced was outcome oriented and punishment based and not the best teaching structure that's, that's out there. And so we're all products of how things were taught and understanding the difference, you know, hearing this uh, example, non-example, the contrast between what we have experienced and then this different approach to structuring a lesson, I think is really important because it impacts how we approach our horses. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, right, of course I'm uh, focused on the outcome and I'm going straight through uh, from beginning to end, because that's what I was taught. And it never would have occurred to me that I could just stop it, the first step, and get a clean loop there before moving on. And so I think it's really important that we, that we hear about these other ways of structuring how we teach things. Yeah. Yeah. And it certainly helps to, uh, I think, make some sense over some of both why we learned some things but didn't learn others. You know, the people who say, oh, I'm no good at math and believe that. Well, actually, you 
might be brilliant at math if it had been taught differently. Yeah. And that that creates uh, a self-view, how you view yourself. It has had an impact then on the choices that you've made moving forward in your life. It has an impact on your emotional response to uh, training situations. You know, are you the one that wants to hide in the corner when things start to get a little difficult? Uh, are you a resilient learner? You know, can you, if you're, and, and if, you're, if you're not resilient and you encounter a problem in a horse, it just makes it that much harder. The horse is showing difficulties here and the owner, the handler is falling apart because they don't, they haven't learned the teaching skills. And they don't understand that what you're telling your students, it's not your fault. Right, right. No, it's yeah. not your fault. And that's such an important message. It's not your fault. It's just we need to we need to go back and figure out how to teach it better so that you will understand it. Yep. Yeah, it's not all on it's not all on the learner. Yeah. So the next time you're visiting with your parents, are you going to want to play that card game? <laughs> We're actually quite obsessed now with breaking it down. Um, it's become a whole other thing. We're not even playing the game. We're figuring out how to play the game. And I have a, an aunt, my dad's sister, who is like tortured by this game. And so just this afternoon, we were like, we bet we could teach Aunt Kathy to play the game now. <laughs> it's turned into a whole teaching and learning conversation that's going on around around the the, the card game, the dreaded But card. you know, there are, there are many games, board games that are, the instructions are really difficult. You know, yeah. I've just, I bought a few weeks ago a game called, it's a game for two, but there's an equivalent for more. It's called uh, Seven Wonders. It's a really popular game. The learning curve for this game has been hours and hours with my boyfriend trying to figure it out. You know, even yesterday we played again and we haven't played in a while and it took us a long time. I'm thinking the next time we'll be able to just play, yeah. but it's almost like if we can't just play next time, I'm abandoning it. Yeah, because yeah. it's just too complicated. It's supposed to be fun in a game, you know. If it if it's just too hard hard jurors is that a word in english yep. yep if it's just too difficult there's a point where i'm just going to go some do some other game yeah. and that and that's predictable right the right yeah version that happens so it's everything is everything is Alex. Yeah. it's everywhere it's everywhere and the more we recognize it and go oh, i know i know i know how to smooth this out let's smooth rather than Rather than feeling like I'm banging my head against a wall, let's just smooth it out. Yep. Let's figure it out. I, you, you know, one of the things, you know, of some great how-to bestseller that you'll be writing has nothing <laughs> to do with classrooms and everything <laughs> with how to how to play this card game. Card game. We were joking about that earlier. We we're like, we could write it. We could do a, yes. a video, <laughs> a YouTube video on how to play the game. That's all loopy, loopy yes. training. <laughs> and there's that's the ripple effect that's how you spread this yeah. you know you take something fun and that's not important you know yeah. uh, unless you're addicted to this game <laughs> right. what do you mean it's not important 
it's important. <laughs> but you take something like that and you learn the basic skill and then you start applying it to other things. Yeah. That's how the ripples go out. Well, but we'll see we'll we'll see what kind of what kind of ripples we have sent out from today's conversation. What how many how many fistfuls of pebbles we've picked up and thrown into the uh out there and how many have landed in pools and uh that'll be fun to see well i can't wait that will yeah. be delightful and and you know i think back to last year where was i halfway and then at the end of the year and so i'm excited to see you know what we learn in the second half of the year and and where all these other threads go so yes yes great. well it's great fun to track this so uh, we thank you immensely Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, do please send out some ripples by sharing this podcast with others. And you can also email us to let us know what you think. It's always good to hear from you. So until next time, train well and have fun with your horses.